When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Matt Lieb. And I'm Vince Mancini. And this is Pod Yourself a Gun, a Sopranos podcast where Vince and I go through every single episode of The Sopranos and talk about it. It is uh, it is a real, I mean, we're innovators. That's is, right. Is the way I first like to look at it. It's ever been done. It's the first time it's ever been done and probably the last time that anyone <laughs> will ever do it. Um, our guest today is Raphael Shimanov. How you doing, Raphael? I'm doing good. I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to have you on. Uh, I know you from uh, the uh, the Jewish activist Twitter. Um, <laughs> yeah, which, yeah, that's definitely one of my Twitters. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a very specific thing, but it's like uh, one of those things where you know there's there's it's a small community on Twitter <laughs> of like Jewish uh, activists, uh, Jewish anti-Zionists. It's like very very specific. Uh, you know, subculture of Twitter, and uh, and so you, uh, I know you from uh, J. Fred's Jews for Racial and Economic Justice, and you're the co-founder of the Jewish Vote, which is uh, an org. Uh, isn't that also um, Sophie uh, E. G. She's also, is she? Yeah, yes, Sophie. Well, she's not really involved with the Jewish Vote. She helps a lot. Um, oh, okay, but yeah, she's she's deeply involved with J. Fred, and uh, she helps a lot with both. But yeah, that's the electoral arm. That's where we we throw down with with politicians. Nice, nice, nice. But uh, yeah, super, super stoked to have you on. When I found out that you were a Sopranos fan, I was like, bruh, you got to come here because, <laughs> you know, politics is for the Internet. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. but podcasting—that's what you do if you can't be a wise guy. If you can't be a wise guy, you go on the politics. You know who the real so, wise guys? The real gangsters are the government. The government—that's the real <laughs> gangster. Such dirt bags. Yeah, dirt bags. Um, <laughs> the 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 thing is, with whenever I'm a fan of something, yeah, I'm so bad at remembering names of things mm-hmm. and like being like super specific that people think I'm immediately a fraud. Yeah, oh, even I'm if the, I've like watched like like everything. I'm the exact same way. Trust me. Uh, multiple times in this show per episode, I will just completely forget the name of a very important character. <laughs> and uh, we've had complaints before. Uh, in fact, that's. Most of my life, everything that I do, like even like the Star Wars show you get and shit, complained about your lack of complaints about your lack I, of profession. I've literally had people at Lucasfilm <laughs> ask me how I got this job because I mixed up C three PO and R two D two. Yeah, but you're also, I mean, with Star Wars, you're dealing with the most pedantic fan base that's that true. has ever existed yeah. in the history of man for something that is uh, about as mainstream as Coca Cola, but yet they've somehow made it 
part of their identity yeah right so you're 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 definitely dealing with a a a more pedantic fan base than sopranos sopranos fans no these guys are the salt of the earth they're like the prosciutto of the earth they're the real (laughs) prosciutto um i think it's about that time uh before we start the podcast that we play the theme song pod Pod. Pod. Podcast. <laughs> so stupid. Pod. Pod. Podcast. Oh. Well, we're here to discuss uh, an, an episode named after a song, which is annoying because then I can't not have the song in my head. This is season two, episode five, Big Girls Don't Cry. That's right. A Four Seasons song, Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons. Um, so just a quick synopsis uh, that we Does, got. Do the Four Seasons actually go by like summer, winter, autumn? I, I don't know. It's a good question. Frankie Valley definitely is the Alvin of that group. Yeah, yeah. And like the rest is just the fucking chipmunks. Yeah. It would be interesting if the rest of them uh, were, he was like, but I'm Daniel. No, you're fucking summer. You are what <laughs> I say. Or like actual spices, right? Like just seasoning. Oh, that's oh, interesting. Yeah. Four seasonings. All right. Yeah, there's only your th- coriander. The only Spice Girl is, <laughs> is Ginger. All the rest of them didn't follow naming convention. That is a, I never thought about that. Yeah. I wonder if Ginger was pissed about that. Yeah, she was You're the, supposed to be time. Scary is not a spice. <laughs> uh, uh, oh, so the synopsis, which we got from uh, either IMDb or uh, the HBO Go app. Uh, back in Jersey, Furio soon lives up to his name by unleashing his fury on the delinquent proprietor of a local, quote, tanning salon. It's a it's a whorehouse. Uh, Dr. Melfi shares her guilt over dumping Tony as a client during a session with her own therapist. Meanwhile, Tony learns from Hesh that his father had emotional secrets of his own. Hey, I got an emotional secret over here. Hey, I'm holding something real dark in my past. Uh, I, 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 You know what's interesting about this synopsis? This is like the first time I've ever noticed someone actually trying. Uh, Furio and, and too hard. At uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, too hard. D- definitely. I mean, trying at all in a synopsis is is too hard. But uh, <laughs> Furio soon lives up to his name by unleashing his fury. All right, all right. I yeah, mean, it's a bit much. It's a bit much. much. We get it. You don't have to explain Furio's name to us. It seems a little much. Uh, so this episode premiered February thirteenth. 2000 and let's take a little trip to the wayback machine baby <coughs> yeah we're going all the way back to february 13th 2000 hope you bought your girlfriend some flowers because tomorrow's valentine's day <laughs> oh my um, god <laughs> <laughs> uh, some of the stories and things that were happening at the time uh mccain and bush tied in the crucial south carolina primary wow that was the uh, that was the primary where mccain uh got robocalled and allegedly uh torpedoed his chances wait what do you mean he got robocalled i mean that was the one where bush did the call about did the robocalls about uh john mccain having oh an illegitimate a, black a, 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 a child. illegitimate black child yeah wow i mean you know 
I was saying this on the last podcast, but primaries used to be a lot more heavy in terms of. Uh, well, yeah, also, but like that could happen to Trump, and it wouldn't. It would have barely registered. Oh no, way. yeah, that did happen with Trump. I mean, literally, there were like robocalls from white nationalists who were like, "Do not elect a Cuban," uh, you know, mm-hmm. to to the Republican nominee. You know, don't, don't, don't Republicans believe every black child is illegitimate? That's like, true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, every every black child is is illegitimate in the eyes of a Republican, especially there are like, yeah. many dads and moms as possible. Exactly. It's mostly their vote they find to be illegitimate. Um, <laughs> what else was happening? Charles Schultz died. Oh, peanuts. Yeah. R.I. R- peanuts. R.I. Peanuts. Uh, if we had the sad Charlie Brown music, <laughs> if we had it queued up, we would play it, but we don't. Uh, tiger. Kathy, that day Kathy, yeah, she pulled her hair to the side and said, "Ack." <laughs> I could see Ari Shafir doing that hashtag R.I. Peanuts. Oh yeah, and just yeah. everyone getting mad at him. For yeah. Making fun of. Oh uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, tiger Woods' a six tournament win streak uh, ended by Phil Mickelson. That is pretty amazing that he won six tournaments in a row. That's pretty much unheard of in uh, modern yeah, golf. Yeah, it's pretty insane. Um, what kind of music was, what was number one song? Uh, that was Thank God I Found You from Mariah Carey featuring 98 Degrees. Damn, 98 Degrees Feet? I don't actually remember that song. Uh, I don't have, oh, I don't have it queued up, but I can find it. I mean, why? You know, you don't really have to do it. Um, Scream 3 was the top movie. Oh, oh no. (laughs) Are we going to have to pay them now? Ugh. Just wow. scrub to the middle. This is going to be a... a scrub to the end real quick. This it sounds like a parody of boy bands from like a Jack in the Box commercial. It does. That really sounds like the meaty cheesy boys. <laughs> um, and yeah, the top three movies were Scream 3, The Beach, and Snow Day. I don't remember Snow Day. Uh, Snow Day, so I had to look that up too. Yeah. Um, it was like a Nickelodeon movie uh, about a snow day. It was uh, Chris Elliott and and Chevy Chase played like the disapproving parents. Played Edward Snow Day. <laughs> so, <laughs> so dumb. So dumb. Anyway, so that's the way a back. tale machine. about a family snowy uh, day. Dad is a TV weatherman who tries vainly to get people to listen to his predictions. Mum is a stressed business. That must have been written by a British person. Yeah, mum. A stressed business woman without childcare for her toddler. Ooh, yeah. topical. And their eldest son is obsessed by the prettiest girl in school. Wow, who wouldn't be? However, school is closed, and his ten-year-old sister decides to sabotage the snowplow and extend the fun for another day. Yeah, you pronounced sabotage weird just then. Yeah, I just well. want, just want to let you know. Um, all right, so now let's get into the episode um in terms of uh all of the bada b stories all the different interconnecting storylines we got christopher is in an acting class yeah, acting for writers that's right melfi feels guilty and is talking about her dream furio comes to america uh charmaine and Artie dealing with tony's shit again uh big pussy gets demoted or passed over tony tries to use hesh as his shrink the tanning salon richie april moves in with janice and tony discovers Richie and Janice's relationship. Yeah. Um so uh Raphael, general thoughts on this episode for you. Um real like I feel like the the, the Furio piece to me was 
really enjoyable because I just oh, yeah. imagined like uh, those the owners of the of the brothel oh, and yeah. like how they had like this American Italian guy handle them, but then like somehow somewhere along the line it was upgraded to like a real Italian Italy, yeah, yeah. Like, the next level Italian, <laughs> and I was like wondering like. What if like Jews or other people handled that? Like I would go in to like Chuck Schumer's office and like sh- you know throw off the bottles off his table and uh-huh. be like, why did you vote for that bill? And then like if he's not listening, like the next person is like Hacidic. Or oh something. yeah, like, no, yeah. Know, it'd be, like, it'd be Sasha Baron Cohen doing his uh, IDF consultant <laughs> character. <laughs> yeah, I mean it is interesting because like you see in the previous episode, kind of like the way. Um, that the uh, mafia in Naples mm-hmm. is just like they they just have no fucks to give in right. terms of like violence uh, and like beating women and children is pretty uh, you know something they do on a regular basis. So it was interesting. It's the first time you actually see Furio as a violent person. Right. As far as you know, you know he's done some yelling and whatnot, but he hasn't. But he, the way he just goes in there and just wrecks those. Yeah. People. So speaking of that storyline uh, in particular, I thought it was interesting that Christopher went in there and uh, he shoved a paintbrush up the guy's nose. Yeah. And then he planted his ass like he basically shoved like a model car up the guy's ass yeah i mean he and he broke his model car that was what he was in the middle of doing <laughs> yeah and that and was mean to, yeah to me i was like that's actually pretty good like yeah, that, i thought like this is a pretty uh reasonable extortion attempt here. especially like the amount of time it takes to build one of those models i know he was on like cocaine or whatever <laughs> yeah but like that model car, it wasn't just like snap in and then go. That he seems, painted it. That seems like a great life. You just you just sitting there like get, like doing lines and and building <laughs> model uh, cars in your office. You know, Vince, that's a life you, that you could easily attain if you, you think. I think if you, you worked, think if I worked at it. Oh yeah, if you worked at it. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying it's easy. It's it's hard out there in, in these streets. But I could smack people around. You could, yeah. Like, <laughs> You, you, I, could, I feel like I don't have an intimidating uh, face is the problem. That was like a lot like to me, a lot like uh, I don't know if I'm going to age myself, but that first scene when they walked into that brothel, which yes. is like, what was it called? Bahama Sky. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it actually says like tanning, massage therapy and facials. Yeah. And uh, on the outside with the and that really reminded me of like my, one of my first video games that I played on the computer it was like Leisure Suit Larry. Oh, oh my man. God. So, yes. <laughs> It was exactly that. The music, the shirts open. I remembered everything. that game, but I never played it. What was like? What was it like? Was there actually? Because I I remember it being like, "Ooh, it's a sexy game," but you know, it was like <laughs> what sixteen bit <laughs> graphics. So you get like a was it just like a lot of pixelated titties? No, they were actually. I don't remember them actually being pixelated. I just remember like you're like this little like dude, and you're kind of a perv, and you keep not scoring and you keep trying to and, and as you advance you do eventually oh, but it like uh, and then like it's exactly like that like you had a mission and you kept going on all these i, I don't missions. mean pixelated like they tried to censor them but i mean like the titties oh, they were like 16 like bit it was, t- it was like so, sega genesis drawings of titties though right so i was like i was unfortunately into like i didn't have that many games my parents denied me a console and they basically thought like here become bill gates and they bought me a computer oh uh-huh. yeah so they thought i was going to become like this engineer yeah and rather i just found video games to masturbate like that there so, yeah. pretty much and <laughs> and uh and I, I went through the, the beginning version of it. There were like 10 versions or something and they got really much better. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So to me, like this episode 
is like the peak Christopher episode. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I also feel like at this point in the series, these are all my favorite episodes because yes, um, it has gotten into the portion of the series when they don't feel the need to explain anything to you. Like they're they're confident that you are you don't need continuity. Yeah. But they also still feel like standalone episodes. Yes. They're not hyper. They're not so confident that uh, they're just stringing you along and doing like auteur provocations towards you. Uh-huh. Uh, but they're just like making good, solid TV episodes. And I feel like this one is a very solid episode that ends with a like a nice crescendo that is also uh, beautifully filmed. That whole scene where Furio goes and takes out the tanning salon. It's like one tracking shot. Yeah, yeah. And oh, it's just it was just incredibly enjoyable. Yeah, really well done. And... Uh, and interesting, uh, again, you know, it's like the backstory that they give uh, a lot of their characters. You know, you never know whether or not uh, it's going to be useful because you, as you're watching it, don't know who's going to live and who's going to die. Mm-hmm. But Furio's backstory is so interesting that uh, the second time around, or I don't know, fifth time around, I actually forgot some of the stuff because they made him a really rich character. Uh, he is a cheese man. Yeah. He's like th- that's they. He's ha- an artisan. He's an artisan. He does ar- he does artisan you cheese. Know, he's a, which I completely forgot about. He's a brute yeah. with the soul of an artist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, dude. I mean, it, aren't, aren't it's we all? It reminded me of like the, the 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 difference in the the old country towns when they visit. It's like the violence and this job isn't their identity. It's like this maintenance thing they just have to do, and they still have a actual life and yeah, actual other things to do. That's and over so here, true. They're just like completely engrossed with this, and like completely. It's their identity. Yes. This whole of violence. Yeah. And, uh, you know, as someone who uh, went to uh, grad school in the arts, I mean, I wasn't like a, an acting major, thank God. But it's always <laughs> enjoyable to me to see people clowning on the arts because oh, yeah. it really is like a rich vein of comedy that doesn't necessarily get explored often enough. And just yeah. when uh, Christopher goes into the first, <laughs> the first, his first class of, of, acting for writers and the teacher says the actor is an instrument for conveying ideas (laughs) like already already i was like all the way in and then it just got progressively better and better yeah yeah so there's uh, i i got a little bit of audio from uh one of uh chris's acting exercises uh it's chris acting improv this is a no stopping zone man signs right over there Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't see it. I left my glasses at home. Says here you're required to wear them for driving. Now, into this mix comes Brenda's husband, Omar, who's just leaving the market with a bag of oranges. What's the trouble here, (laughs) officer? Your wife's getting a ticket. Maybe I can change your mind. Whoa, whoa, what are you doing? You're dropping your fucking oranges. <laughs> Very good, Chris. Great improv. <laughs> and that reminds me of uh, you know in in my writing program, uh, like because I went to I don't I mean I don't want to go all the way into it. Hey, but, uh, you went to NYU? No, I went to Columbia. Ah, oh, whatever, same shit. So I went to I got an MFA in creative writing, and there was like 22 of us in the program, and it was like eight, 17 girls and four guys, and uh, one of the guys that we've had on our, our 
Frogcast before uh-huh. uh, was like an ex heroin addict who'd like been to prison and it was like writing a memoir about like yeah you know uh, you know living the life of like a career criminal right so of course everybody that is there that writes that uh, all of us uh, I mean I don't know. I don't know how to say it in, in a less offensive way than art fags. Uh, <laughs> all of us, all of us art fags, of course, we're like, you know, we're 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 feeding off that authenticity. You yeah, know? like right. when you when you when you come face to face with that kind with, of with actual life experience, with actual life experience, it is like fascinating, and that person immediately like becomes kind of a rock star to all the other uh, creative. Yeah, no, of course, yeah, it's, wood nymphs. Yeah, it is for the most part. I mean, in any creative writing class I've ever taken. You know, it's it was a little different for me because we definitely I came I went to college around the time where I feel like people's personal life experience could be just mundane mental health upkeep yeah. type stuff. Yeah, like they're you're doing art about like your suicide attempt and like your parents divorce. Now 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 not that there's, you know, those things are are valid things, but And it, it's great because someone like Christopher also has those uh right, self-indulgent. Right. Yeah, plus yeah. plus, you know, being in the mafia and right. shit like that. Yeah. Um but what I love about that scene, first of all, is uh, I love when an acting teacher says, great improv. As <laughs> uh, <laughs> someone who detests improv. Uh, but then also, um, uh, this is really is, it's not just a Chris, Chris Moltisanti episode. It's a Michael Imperioli episode. Yeah. He is, God, he's, he's got he, so much range. He's got so much range. It is so hard to do to act as a bad actor you know what i mean it's like and he acts like as a bad actor and as a good actor in yeah this yeah it's, it's incredible it's yeah. incredible i mean it, and the just the nuance in his facial expressions when he's getting laughs for you know that mm-hmm. joke about you drop the oranges and yeah. whatnot which by the way godfather reference Right, <laughs> right. That's yeah. a Godfather reference. Because the oranges the, mean death. The oranges, dude. Yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, jeez. Uh, well, I'm sorry, but I, I know a thing or two about art. That's yeah. Uh, <laughs> I uh, I'm really into art, but yeah. So uh, I just love his ability to just kind of like soak in a little bit of that joy, but it's just very contained because yes. he doesn't want to show how elated he is right. that he is like doing well at something that, that no one is punching him for and he also um he also comes off as like the perfect project for this acting class yes teacher because i mean just as uh comedians and and seeing like all these all these people that you know from open mics like you always see people that are mostly bad comedians but they'll always have one or two uh, not always, but a lot of times, yeah. like someone will show promise, yeah, and it's like these brief glimpses where they just hit one out of the park, and yes. you want to like take hold of them and be like, "All right, well, can yeah. I shape you? Can we make? Yeah, right. Let's, let's bring that out of you. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. You could be one of the greats. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, and you really watch him kind of come into his own as a you know as an actor in the show. I mean, not just like in the scene, but in the show, mm-hmm. you're just like Michael Imperioli is so impressive. He does, um, you know, and you can tell the character is struggling with uh, number one, understanding a lot of the source material, which I thought is a it's <laughs> yeah. a really funny detail to right. be like because he's like diving into it and he's like, 
doesn't understand the glass menagerie at all. Um, like he doesn't understand the role of the gentleman caller. And so he way just, over my head, by the way. I mean, sure. But also like uh, that's a it's an interesting way to kind of like have the character just be just be someone who is going to question the motivations of the actual characters that he's playing. So you can tell he's taking it seriously. And then he's wh- like an acting savant who can barely read. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Which I'm sure there's a lot of. Oh, sure. That's most actors. <laughs> I've never met an actor who, who could read. Um <laughs> But yeah, also uh, then the scene where he uh, decides um, instead to do, uh, what's, what do you call it, uh, Rebel Without a Cause? Yeah. Uh, and just knocks it out of the park. Uh, it's just one of the, it's, it's like one of the best moments in the show. And then he storms off, which I, which I love. Um, that reminded me of the uh the the scene from swingers do you remember when like the swingers they go to vegas and they try to pick up like the waitresses or, or whoever isn't that the whole movie okay right but i haven't seen there's it. one scene like like vince vaughn's character has like a go-to story about how he was they were doing a scene and and then i realized i was crying and uh and i looked over at the director and and he was crying and even the script supervisor like she was crying like when the teacher started crying, I, f- I was like, "Oh, this is, this is actually that scene from Swingers where they yeah. act- he acted so good that uh, that other people were crying." <laughs> yeah, I got a little misty. Sure, there's something about like Michael Imperioli uh, as this character that just like gets me. Maybe it's because you know of his history with drugs and whatnot, and kind of like uh, you know what I don't know, but it, it's really really good. I mean, this episode is largely about Furio and Christopher, who kind of are the deepest of the characters uh, in the show in terms of, mm-hmm. you know, everybody else is a type to some degree. And sure. And they're there to be made fun of. And, you know, Christopher's there to be, to be made fun of mm-hmm. also. But, like, Furio's kind of a, a wild card for sure. Like, he shows up and he's like a brute. Yeah. But he's also sensitive uh, also, he makes cheese. Yeah, right. Also, he's good with kids. <laughs> yeah, he's, yeah. Um, he's good with great with kids and women. But just to round out uh, Chrissy's storyline, um, after he uh, freaks out, I guess because he became actually vulnerable in front of people, and yeah. like he just had a freak out. Like, what do you guys? How do you explain his his freaking out? Raphael, do you have any theories? Did we lose him? Oh, no. Uh-oh. Can you hear me? Oh, oh there, there you go. go. Sorry. I feel like this episode's pretty heavy-handed in how many different people are trying to do therapy in different <laughs> ways. Yeah. So, like, the, the race car painting in the back of the, the, the brothel. Yeah. Uh, that's, like, a therapy. Uh, Chris is <laughs> wow, acting yeah. and how he's breaking through things yes. with it. Um, the Dr. Dr. Melfi mm-hmm. therapy and, and, and also, of course, uh, Tony's is just like really laying it on thick on all these different modes of therapy. Happening. Definitely. And, and yeah, he, he basically had a breakthrough, I think, uh, at some point there. And he, he wasn't in front of people that he trusted. Right. And I also think it fits into, you know, the theme of the entire show, which is that, you know, these these cavemen like men. 
uh, are stuck in a world that is increasingly expecting them to be in touch with their feelings right, yeah. while having a job that requires them to right. do the opposite. Right, so exactly. That goes for, you know, the, the it, it, it stems from Tony, who's having to be the sensitive 90s dad at the same time as he's trying to run an organization that mm-hmm. doesn't believe in like women bosses and yeah. blah, blah, blah. And believes that murder is a good way to do <laughs> business. <laughs> right, and that you should, you know, <laughs> hit people with tire irons when they don't pay you. Yeah. And so like, you know, Christopher is the same thing. And he's even he's even worse because he's like a younger generation from from Tony. So he has even more things in his life telling him, to be, you know, sensitive and 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 get in touch with his feelings. And, yeah, especially and he still has to do the same job where he's expected yeah. to shove a race car up this guy's ass. Yeah, especially and, and he's del- <laughs> delving into the arts, so it's like yeah. one of those things that kind of requires you. And and she explicitly says it that you know this kind of work, uh, writing and acting, requires you to step into the shoes of yeah. of someone else. What do, what do you learn, is, What do you know about writing from uh from writing the things down on your ticket at the restaurant that's the thing it's like his it's like having empathy you know like that's required in mm-hmm. in this kind of creative writing so and it's a detriment if you are uh if you're extorting a, people for money right right and you know if you're lucky you're a sociopath <laughs> yeah and if you're if you're unlucky, then you're chris Moltisanti. does does that mean that furio is a really good sociopath I, I, you know, it's hard to tell with him because of the way his character kind of like shifts um, mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, uh, you know, without spoiling it for people for who for some reason haven't seen all of the Sopranos. But uh, like the fact that he's able to have romantic feelings towards someone, but and also not push himself uh, on that person and not like, um, you know, like he's thoughtful in, in, in his uh decision making when it right. comes to that yeah, he has he has empathy but he's he's just so successful at compartmentalizing yeah he could just be a test case for someone who's really good at the mafia <laughs> yeah and so uh, another thing that i love about this episode is you know it's written by people in show business uh, obviously and it's having a lot of fun at the expense of show business and simultaneously as it's doing that because it's making it you know it's taking the piss out of the entire acting class oh yeah totally Uh, and meanwhile like the show doesn't exist without someone who is in therapy and sort of believes in the concept of therapy yeah but some of the funniest stuff is uh dr melfi in therapy herself and it's kind of played they basically they, they basically pitch therapy as ridiculous this entire episode yeah i mean what Real quick, just to round out, because we didn't get to play my favorite clip of of rounding out Chrissy, (laughs) Um, but Chrissy uh, finally goes back to acting class after freaking out, and they do a little exercise um, with uh, A-B testing. Yeah, and uh, this is, I think this one's actually better as audio. The first time I watched this, I sort of like, it was late at night, and I sort of fell asleep, and my eyes were kind of closed. I wasn't watching the screen during the scene. Yeah. And this is one of those scenes that I feel like plays it almost plays better as just as audio only. Yeah. You just saw two actors have an entire conversation saying only A and the other responding B. Mitch, Christopher, you want to give it a try? Hey, come on, Chris. Also, the guy's name's Mitch, which is also excellent. Yes. Yes. A. Stop it, Christopher! 
<laughs> I love her response there. This is inappropriate. We do not hit. Like she's like she's talking to a dog. <laughs> yeah. And they also foreshadowed it beautifully because in the in like the his his shining moment where he does rebel without a cause. Yeah. Like it ends and the guy's like, How'd you get yourself to really cry like that? And yeah. he just storms out of the room <laughs> yeah. because like the emotion's too much for him. Yeah, yeah. And once again, just triggered again. He's like uh, the problem child of acting class. Yeah, yeah. He's just too too good. Uh, that really hit me specifically because I was expecting like a dumb joke about A, you know, like A, B, A or something like that. Right, and then right. it just became this like super real kind of thing and really took me off guard. And and you can only imagine what he was, uh, the way he was interpreting the tone of that guy's A. I've watched this a few times <laughs> and tried to be like... What? I grew up in Hartsdale. Don't hold that against me. Yeah, right. Yeah. First of all, like this guy's already on thin ice. He's right, got right. a very punchable face. Yeah. His name is Mitch. <laughs> and part of me... Part of me goes like, I wonder when he said A, he just heard you like bitch or something. Like <laughs> yeah. he heard whatever. Do something, bitch. Yeah, like whatever he heard, it was in just in the tone of it, <laughs> it was something threatening. Yeah, and and he just wanted to, uh, yeah, he just wanted to show him that he was not a crier. He's a I, tough guy. I also think that uh, this shows why good actors get away with so much crap because yeah, Christopher is like clearly the star of this acting class yeah. and you know he's going to get away with all of this because people are like ah well you know he's just such a he's just such a troubled genius yeah exactly and, and, and you know 20 yeah, years yeah. from now he's going to be like Joaquin Phoenix yeah. giving a speech about uh, <laughs> artificially inseminating calves yeah yeah stop drinking milk um but yeah, so in general, I, 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 Raphael, I loved what you said about um, just kind of everyone's got their own mode of therapy and how this is a really uh, therapy heavy episode and very, you know, everyone is, uh, everyone copes with their feelings in different ways. Um, and Vince, when you were saying about Melfi and her therapist. Yeah, Peter like, Bogdanovich. Yeah, yeah, and Peter Bogdanovich is like, uh, he is his face is just so perfect. Oh yeah, it's he's got therapist face for sure. Yeah. Yeah, he yeah, he The best is when he she calls him a cocksucker and storms out and he just he just raises his eyebrows like, "Oh, well, this was an interesting therapy session." It's it is interesting cuz you wonder about like there's the question of sociopathy again where you kind of yeah. go like at some point the way you analyze human feelings uh, it's completely detached from like actual feeling. And it's just kind of like, yeah, you know, it's just everybody's just like an interesting test. Subject. Yeah. Everyone's an interesting test subject is very robotic. And so you wonder like, you know, what yeah. is going through his mind? But um, I, I'm still trying to suss out whether or not it's intentional in the writing. Mm -hmm. um, like, uh, the, the i'm not sure whether or not they are trying to display and show these guys as like um uh, if we're supposed to be laughing if they intended us to laugh or oh, if I think they're we're like supposed to be laughing at the therapy because i i laugh at them because i think what they say is <laughs> ridiculous uh but uh, sometimes it feels like maybe they're taking it seriously i don't know but i i cut uh, a little bit uh, from the scene between um melfi and uh dr peter buck <laughs> he goes into a oh wait do you know what his actual name is the character's name 
Uh, they say it a bunch, but again, I'm not good at knowing things. It's a it's a good name. (laughs) It's Doctor Elliot Kupferberg. That's what it is. Yeah, Yeah. Doctor Kupferberg. Uh, yeah, so here's the next Full blown panic attack, and he passes out. He crashes into this huge truck. Out of the woods. The fact that he can't see the <laughs> oh, road ahead. Pause. The fact that he just goes out of the woods <laughs> yeah. as if like. He's yes ending. Yeah, and, and like, like, again, like they, the way they analyze dreams in this way where it's like it's prose, yeah, yeah. like as if there's intention in the <laughs> mm-hmm. dream is, is fucking infuriating. And, 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 and like it's an equation too. Yeah, it, it's like there's no mystery here. It's like yeah. dreams are, uh, most dreams with me, uh, getting chased by a dinosaur, uh, yeah. getting my all of my teeth pulled out. Mm-hmm. Like, I had an entire dream the other night just about how I had a plantain and it was better than a banana and like <laughs> and then I made the decision that I was only going to buy plantains instead of bananas from now That's on. Amazing. That's a great were, dream. Cuz they were crunchier. It, it is just like an example of them just trying to impress each other. Right? Yes. Oh, yeah. That yes. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. I really do think and and uh, they go on to like really try hard to impress each other. Just my mm-hmm. abandoning him. Who in wizard would your patient be? <sighs> God. Given the fact that he's a powerful, dominating male, Oz himself. Why do we love roller coasters? <laughs> Insufferable. <laughs> Scary movies. <laughs> to experience the thrill of being terrified. Just the way she says that, where she's like so over roller coasters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the consequences. That's very good, Elliot. Great film, but uh, some terrifying moments. It's very perceptive. Is it? Is it? (laughs) I mean, first of all, uh, this idea that Wizard of Oz at any point was terrifying (laughs) ever. Uh, Maybe, maybe if you were. Yeah, in the 1940s where you're like, wow, color film. Like, (laughs) I can only imagine that that maybe could cause people to be scared by the flying monkeys. But that is not a scary movie. That is not. it, It reminds me of like. I saw like a trailer once before a movie. It was like, uh, go get your popcorn or some shit like that. It was like one of those like pre movie yeah. things. And it showed like a bunch of kids watching uh, Star Wars. And then Darth Vader comes on the screen <laughs> and you see like the kid hiding, like, because he's scared. I was like, no one's been scared of Star Wars. Like, <laughs> they're just inventing things to be scared of. There's, I, I mean, I, am I wrong here? Have you guys ever, did Wizard of Oz scare you as a kid? I think the monkeys, those flying monkeys, is that Wizard of Oz? Yeah, that is Wizard yeah. of Oz. Those are pretty f- scary to me. Yeah, I mean, the thing I is, guess. Like, if you're a little kid, there's not really that much rhyme or reason. Like, it could just be how the how a person looks. Uh, you know, it's not necessarily... You know, to me, that doesn't have to be a horror scene or anything actually scary. You know what was scary to me when when uh, when Judge Doom dipped that cartoon shoe into the dip uh-huh. in Roger Rabbit. That was fucked up. That scared the shit out of me because he, me, he killed was... a cartoon. And I was like, I don't think cartoons have souls. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, no heaven for that cartoon. Yeah, that, no that heaven for that cartoon. is going to purgatory. Exactly. No, 
I, I got scared by Terminator 2. I well, think that's because, scary. Because it was like a vision of the apocalypse, and it also gave you like a specific yeah. date to be scared of that hadn't yes. come up yet at that point. And it's violent and bloody. Yeah. And there's like and the whole people movie takes ch- place at night. There's people chasing you. There's yeah. like, you don't know if that's the T-1000 or just your mom. <laughs> like, I'm just saying, <laughs> like, that's an actual movie with with some scare factor to it. Wizard of Oz. Anyways, the point is, is that like <laughs> their relationship seems to be how can we make these uh, professional intellectuals as insufferable as possible? Yeah, I and, love how insufferable all the intellectuals on this show are. But I, I, here's my problem. The problem is, is like whether or not to believe that's intentional. I believe that it is intentional ev- oh. eventually in the show. But have you ever heard David Chase being interviewed? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. David Chase being interviewed. You're like, oh, I don't know if these are jokes. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, like he is uh, kind of an insufferable intellectual, by and, the way. We know we know he's listening right now. Right. Yeah. That's the thing. David Chase, if you're listening. You're a genius. You're we love a, you. Please come on the you show. You are a genius and we love you. It's the greatest show ever made and you should be happy. Uh, your interviews are just weird. That's all I'm saying. And think, you know what? I think like part of the success of the show is that they it's like Bill Clinton or Obama where people are in a room and they say one thing and multiple people leave depending on their own life experience yeah. and hearing different things. So like my my most like trash cousin watches <laughs> the watches it and like doesn't yes. understand ninety percent of it and yes. loves the show. And then so do I. And I'm like, oh, well, and then just like giving everything to everyone. No, I think a great exactly. example of that is Nick Pizzolatto, the uh, true detective guy. Oh, yes. Because, yes. you know, like true detective was brilliant to me, partly because Matthew McConaughey's character is like comical. And yes. and like there's this hard boiledness to it that is like a parody of yes. hard boiled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that to me is what's amazing about it. Right. And I don't think that I don't know that Nick Pizzolatto thinks that it's like a parody of hard boiled. No, no, he I clearly think he doesn't. it is actually hard boiled. He actually ruined the show for me when I would uh after the show they would be like behind the episode and then they would interview Nick Pizzolatto and I went, oh my God, he's serious. <laughs> you know? And and, yeah. and I gotta say, uh but they, I think the best chase is not even close no. to being that no, bad. Not at, not at all. Not at all. But I do think a lot of the best art comes from people that are idiot savants a little bit. Yeah, that is true. And 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 is uh, an accident, I would say, for yes, the most part. Absolutely. Um when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. 
but yeah, uh, it is like the characters, uh, especially, you know, any dining room table scene with like the, um, you know, kind of the, the bourgeois intellectual class. Any Anytime that Dr. Melfi is in a group with her friends. Oh, her family and friends. It's so fun to watch. <laughs> the worst. They are the worst. Like and you think Polly is the worst on the show. And then they show Melfi's family, and you're like, oh, no, I would much rather hang out with Polly Walnuts than yeah. Dr. Melfi's family. And, and, absolutely. And, R- Raphael, to your point, like, it is absolutely true, and it's one of the reasons why it's one of the best shows ever made, if not the yeah. best show, is that you can be someone who's completely superficial or, like, doesn't really uh, enjoy yeah. diving deep into characters uh, and enjoy the show. Or you could be thinking yeah. about the symbol symbolism of the oranges and just be jacking off. All right, listen, that. dude. I just hey, I call it like I see it. <laughs> yeah. Godfather references. I mean, the last Star Wars, I, there was like Trump fans and queens like cheering on, cheering it on, and I'm like turning around and I'm like thinking to myself, don't you know this is about you? Like, and you're not the rebellion. <laughs> yeah. Like, and then they come away enjoying it, but just like, how do how do people watch Harry Potter and yeah, and this and and I'm convinced the writers are are doing that on purpose. Oh <laughs> yeah, to make it massive. I mean, I, that's I think I. I think everyone sees himself as the hero in their own story. Yeah. You know, I, I, so for them to look at the themselves as the stormtroopers, which is why, you know, so, then again, so bullshit. The idea that that art can change or is being used to change people's minds. It's not. It's like completely reinforcing everyone's existing. feeling. That's exactly right. And that is, I think, if there's one thing we can take away from art, it's remembering that it has very little power to change anything and that uh, artists who believe that they can change things with their art are delusional and not to be trusted. Um, so going, going, yeah, I, yes, uh, going back to the therapy theme. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite, I mean, this, I, I like pretty much every subplot uh, in this episode. Oh which yeah. Is why I think it's one of the strongest episodes, but uh, one of my favorites is that Tony without he doesn't have Dr. Melfi around this episode but he, he clearly needs therapy so uh-huh. at some point he just decides that Hesh is, is going to be his new therapist which I guess he just figures like well he's Jewish yeah 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 well his mother said specifically therapy that that's just a racket for the Jews like she's she has ingrained this in his mind so he thinks like uh Who's who's in touch with their feelings, uh, you know, uh, epigenetically, <laughs> and uh, so yeah, he goes to to Hesh, which uh, which is I believe is also the first time you see uh, his wife. Uh, was that his wife? I yeah. thought it was just his one of his girlfriends. No, no, that's his wife. That's oh, his, that's his wife on the whole show. Um, but yeah, no, we actually uh, we have some uh, yeah. some. So audio the best from that. part about this is that he, Tony's going to Hesh for therapy. Uh, but Hesh is not a very good listener. He just he hears whatever Tony says, and it reminds him of a story about like his ass or like a guy, a guy that he wanted to he beat is up. Not a worry in the world. Yeah, he, he reminds him of a guy that he didn't like in the sixties. Uh, so yeah, I was never particularly good with my fist, but there was one guy who almost drove me to murder. Well, lately, I feel this aversion to my swimming pool. The press is me. Cocksucker was a sound engineer in one of my studios. Talk about Germany all the time. I actually find myself avoiding the backyard. He was a Nazi. He just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. <laughs> and one time I was pulling into a parking lot. And he was two spots over. And he was rotating his tires. <laughs> like it was a goddamn service station. 
So I said to him. <laughs> and then the scene cuts off. Uh, uh, I, I want to play the other Tony. Oh, yeah, go ahead. You know, they're both great. I had this fucking weird dream the other night. You know, when I had the polyps, they put me through that fucking MRI. I'm telling you, I think they used my ass to invent some new tests. I was at the beach, but I had a suit on and a shoes, too. Shove a camera up your ass the size of a garden hose. You want to hear this fucking dream or not? <laughs> All right. <laughs> I love it because the answer is clearly no, Tony. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No one wants to hear the dream. Um, I I feel like... That's what therapy is for, is you pay someone to listen to your asinine dream stories. Yeah, and there's definitely a connection uh, like between the scenes that they have together and the scenes Melfi has with her therapist where they're both, in essence, talking at each other and kind of over each other. Mm-hmm. Like, one... One isn't really listening to the other, and I think it's true with Melfi, Melfi and her and her therapist because like they're just each trying to one up each other and trying to like well, they're trying to get something out of it. yeah it's transactional on both ends yeah they're over intellectualizing their uh, you know uh, the therapy sixty nine yeah it is a therapy <laughs> sixty nine that's exactly right uh, you know they're both more interested in in getting off than they are in uh, getting the other person off. Which is a selfish 69. We call that a 96. Uh, <laughs> Stupid. Can we talk about the... Artie, so Artie Bucco... 96 is like two people in bed in the fetal position not facing each yeah, other. Yeah, just <laughs> sucking themselves off. Yeah. Uh, uh, so Artie and Charmaine, they kind of low-key get forced into taking Furio on yeah. as an employee. Yeah, as a cheese guy. Yeah. And so that scene... So at first, I, like when I first... When Tony first brings up the idea, I was like, why does he even... I mean, you you don't have to actually keep him on as a real employee. I thought it was just going to be like a no-show job. Yeah, But right. then they actually do show Furio... In the kitchen, smoking a cigarette, making mozzarella. Making, making mozzarella with a cigarette in his mouth, which yeah. is extremely Italian. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's interesting, too, because, like, he... Yeah, in any other case, like this is a no-show job for a mobster, just to like for in his case get a work visa or yeah, whatever. But no, a, but we actually like the cheese. But he likes the cheese. He <laughs> likes to make the cheese, and like part of his secret is probably a little bit of cigarette ash in it, <laughs> which uh, which I appreciate. Um, yeah, the there's Artie and Charmaine have like you know a limited role in this, uh, but it's safe to say that this is kind of the uh the first that uh, moment that i can tell that um charmaine is i mean i guess she's always been growing tired of tony and the crew always being there yeah she started off tired but here i think she has more of a a point i guess yeah yeah because i mean you know you can't just hire whoever the fuck and also well and also you gotta have these mob guys like in your restaurant all the time and wasn't there a scene where she was being harassed by by tony yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the thing is like they. Uh, this was the the roughest I've ever seen them on, uh, both Artie and Charmaine, where it did feel like they were being um, particularly like cruel. He, to he them. leaned on them this episode. He did. He definitely leaned on them and was like, uh, yeah, it was it was a little bit kind of like a flex, and and it's which is really uh, consistent with the character um, in terms of like what. Where, what Tony's going through in this episode. He's like, he is on edge. He is feeling cruel and he's not able to like 
let out his feelings, you know? Um, this episode also uh, is, uh, it's beyond the, you know, Chris and the Tony stuff is, uh, we see Janice and uh, uh, Richie April are now together and uh, Tony discovers their relationship, which is, uh, which is a lot of fun. Um, we, on the previous uh, episode, uh, in dealing with Richie April, uh, Shireen Yunus mm-hmm. pointed out mm-hmm. that uh, the theory of Richie April possibly being a closeted gay man, mm-hmm. um, and I there was uh, w- this happened in the last episode, but um, uh, I wanted to bring this up when Janice specifically says to. Uh, um, uh, what's her name? Edie? To Carmela. Carmela. Yeah. Uh, that uh, she uh, that uh, Richie is more he understands. Into- he's more sensitive to the plight of women because he's been in prison. Yeah, exactly. Which is a funny statement. Uh... Yeah, and now I think uh, in in this clip as well, it kind of uh, it adds it adds to the theory. So go ahead and, and play a little bit of audio. Alrighty. So what the fuck, Rich? Mattress at the shelter, a little too lumpy. We're adults, Tony. And we got history together. Yeah. Israel and fucking Palestine. People change. It was a way long time. I thought a lot about her. Ten years, you thought about Janice? There are men in the camp better looking at my sister. Each his own, Tony. Each his own. All right. So I know this is a stretch. But when Tony says specifically, there are men in the can better looking than Janice. And he says each his own. Part of me is just like, I don't know, dude. That's like, I'm still, I'm like firmly in the Richie April's closeted gay camp. I don't know about you. Well, you guys. I mean, there's enough there to wonder. I'll say that. There's enough there. There's, you know, why did he do that to Beansy? Because Beansy never visited him in prison? Yeah. A lot of people never visited him in prison. I'm just saying, dude. I'm just saying. (laughs) There's something there. Uh, yeah, and I like the relationship between Richie and Tony because I don't know. Richie's pretty scary, but he's also he's also very small, and so like he <laughs> keeps he's always approaching Tony. Like he approaches Tony with the fork out in this episode. Yeah, and you think yeah. of that, you immediately think of Joe Pesci stabbing the guy with the pencil, right. in Casino, yep. and uh, and Tony's just like, no, fuck off, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I there is something like. It's also equally scary about Richie April in that. Like, yeah. Oh, he, well, he's got those that face. He was, he was sort of saved by the bell there because uh, she came in at that moment where they they were peeking with the fork in their hand. Yeah. And yeah. it's not. It's not. There's a second saved by the bell reference here. Where, oh, there's actually three, not on purpose. One is the Russian or actually Kazakhstani um, person that was on the boat with yeah. the girlfriend on the boat with Tony, who looks like Tiffany Amber Thiessen, <laughs> just like Russian. Yes, and yes. And then there's this, the, the guy um, uh, in the in the diner with um, uh, Big Pussy after he was demoted, and yeah. he's just wearing literally a shirt that looks like the, the <laughs> intro to to the show yeah like, yeah yeah with the swirls and everything and i was like i was like why am i thinking of like ac slater right now in the middle? <laughs> dude yeah. yeah you almost think that uh, johnny Sachs is gonna pull up his chair backwards like <laughs> yeah. ac slater would. at yeah. some point chrissy just goes time out and then talks <laughs> to the screen yeah i'm about to punch this guy in his fucking face all he said was a but there's something about that a i don't like 
time in. Punches him in the face. Um, yeah, you know what? Uh, Russian girlfriend does look like Tiffany Amber Thiesten. That is absolutely She's right. She's very Russian looking. They, uh, they just have the that's the cheeks, you know, it's and like, the chin, like the very like the heart, chin. the very heart shaped face. Yeah, yeah, gorgeous ladies. Yeah, both of them just. I was so in love with Tiffany Amber Thiessen back in the day. Yeah. Oh my God. I was just like, and I was, it it sucked because like I was so clearly Screech. (laughs) It was just like, I was like, man, only Zach Morris's can get with Kelly Kapowski's. And, uh, you know, it fucked up my childhood a little bit. Kapowski. So she, you know, she's a Polak. Yeah. She's a Pole. Mm -hmm. Hey. A goddamn pole. Uh, uh, you know, the Slav women. <laughs> the gorgeous Slavs. Well, screeches are just scarier now. Like they have like subreddits and like 4chan. Uh, yeah. I know. I know. It's it sucks. Like Screech has become, I mean, in a way, kind of just like a, a symbol of the incel community. Yeah. I mean, right now, like a Screech would have like diagrams of why Zach Morris's face is, is superior <laughs> yeah. and how that's unfair. And, yeah, why Zach Morris is a Chad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Um I uh what else what else happened in this episode? We have uh the tanning salon. We we Well we got big big pussy got passed over, which is not a huge uh storyline. Some foreshadowing but, you know, there foreshadowing a little bit, you know. And uh, you know, it all comes to the head to a head with the tanning salon. Yeah. Which uh I, I don't know that there's that much to say about the scene other than that uh I've never been so excited to see a guy just like beat up a bunch of innocent people and women. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is interesting. I don't know. I don't. Did they set us up for that? Because like they they showed us the cokehead salon owner uh, not listening to reason. So like like they they kind of made it like he had it coming, and so did his wife. Yeah, they did. Uh, but I mean, I think we can say uh, that. You know, we did not expect Furio to go that far with it. Sure, yeah. Well, but the yeah. fact that he was so <laughs> that he he like was so uh, he like screwed with them while he was doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He enjoyed it, and I love that there was one woke moment that that uh, was after that where I'm gonna predated that, and that's why Tony was so interested in in Furio uh, also going after the wife. Yeah, uh, he was warned that she was a bad influence, and when he when they described her being a bad influence, they were like that Chinese cunt. Yeah, and then someone in the back had this like like nineteen nineties woke moment. Yeah, they were just like, oh no, she's Filipino. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah, we got that. We got a clip of that. You talked to that guy down at the uh, tennis salon. He only had half. Again, ask me. It's that Chinese cunt. He's married to bad influence. She's a Filipino. <laughs> I wasn't sure what you wanted. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard because it's like it's all the faces. Like when they say she's Filipino, yeah. and everybody's like, eh, "Yeah, what, they're like, what are you okay, do? hey, yeah, we're like record, record corrected. Yeah, record <laughs> yeah. is corrected. Yeah, that was uh, Gigi Sestoni, uh, who uh, who said that. Who, yeah, massive respect to Gigi for doing that because he, he was like, "Hey, he's the other sensitive brute. In he is, series. he <laughs> is. You know, let the record show that there is a difference between." Philippines yeah. and China. Hey Tony, uh, I don't think that Chinese cunt is the preferred nomenclature. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Filipino cunt, please. <laughs> um, yeah. So 
what what would you say? Let's do our faves and our least faves. Um, Vince, what was your favorite scene? So I have a fave and a problematic fave. Oh, uh, favorite uh, is is probably. You know, Christopher, uh, just just in the acting class where she she says the the act, actors the act, actors are the instrument for conveying emotion. Mm-hmm. That was great. And then problematic fave, you know, I just love Furio going that entire scene yeah. of Furio going ham on the tanning salon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, least favorite. Oh, that's a tough one for this episode. You know, like uh, the the therapy scenes annoy me, but I don't know that there was like a moment that yeah. felt off in this I episode. I completely agree. I don't think there was an off moment in this episode. Yeah. What about you, Raphael? Favorite, least favorite? Uh, I actually did like, because I am from Central Asia. I'm from Uzbekistan when oh. I, uh, before we came. Oh, yeah. Uh, and that girl is so Kazaki. Like, really? <laughs> yeah, it was just like really interesting to hear all the Russian. She called him a goat and all of their stuff. It was like so genuine. I'm not <laughs> going to say it's my favorite, but it really resonated with me on, on that part. But sure. Uh, the other part was like, there were so many references that I love, like the Dasani dispenser like that hit me (laughs) just like oh yeah that's when the sunny came out and they started selling tap water to us yeah that's right yeah we uh, would just go to a vending machine and be like oh sure i would like to pay more for water yeah and like five years after they launched they actually were caught like just literally selling bottles with tap water jesus christ um the least yeah no like I have one favorite one was when that actor was punched in the face and there's a word, I forget the word, that German word for punchable face. And we've oh. been using it. We've been using it's a, that's here. interesting. Uh, there's a word for punchable face. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's actually, back, it's actually, what is it? Backfeifengeist. Oh, I always pronounced it uh, Pete Buttigieg. Oh, nice. <laughs> Fuck yeah, that's dude. Exactly, that's exactly what I was going to say. So we were campaigning all week in, New Hampshire, and yeah. that's all we've been saying that we just like he his face needs to be punched. And when I saw that guy and what he said, I was like, "That's Pete Buttigieg." And when his face was punched, I just I just <laughs> celebrated. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, no, that is Pete uh, Buttigieg is actually from Hartsdale. Uh, yeah, yeah. Don't hold it against. Please him. Hold, hold it against him. Um, he is an acting school to act like a Democrat. I think. Yeah, or like you know a person. <laughs> A person with feelings, a person who gives a shit about literally anyone but but himself. Um, yeah, uh, I'm just gonna you know go on record right now. Pod yourself a gun is an anti Pete Buttigieg podcast. <laughs> just go on, just gonna say it. Just gonna say it. Um, yeah. So my favorite scenes. Uh, yeah, it's gonna be all the Chrissy scenes. Uh, Rebel without a cause. Yeah. Um, and uh, and then also um, him punching uh pete Buttigieg right in the face um and yeah i don't really have a least favorite uh, uh, initially my my instinct said it was the scene between um uh melfi and her therapist um the second the second scene with right. them together and not the it one grew we played. On me though. I mean, I didn't want to watch all of that scene, but it always had like a good button on it. Yeah. I, I think with the second one, it, it kind of felt like, um, I understand that they needed to disclose, uh, for, you know, the sake of exposition, her reasonings for wanting to take Tony back. But, um, 
I didn't think they needed it. Right. And it just kind of felt like, yeah, yeah, we know. I mean, it, it's just like, it's very clear in the way she reacted in the first conversation with him that, yeah, she wants to have Tony back as a person that he abandoned and, you know, that she abandoned and stuff. I wouldn't call this like this a least, least favorite, but I do have like a one question about this episode. Yeah. So when Furio goes into the tanning salon, he's beating the shit out of everybody. I had a hard time looking at Tony's cigar because it looked like a dog had chewed up that cigar. Like it, <laughs> it had just like random pieces of tobacco just like yeah. falling off of it. And yeah. I didn't know if that was a choice, like we were supposed to see him as being anxious or something. Right. Like, Good God, what did he do to that cigar? Yeah. It was awful. Anyway. Yeah. yeah I, knew, I didn't know what to make of that either. Yeah. Just like at this point, it's clear that Malfi is like wanting to make a better serial killer. Like, like yeah she's just like completely opting in yeah no completely i mean yeah that and you know it's it's very clear that her reasoning behind it is is all just delusion i mean the idea that she's going to somehow save him or the idea that you know uh, she can control him in any way is is completely delusional and i think it's more clear that you know she just wants she she wants it for the thrill of it you know kind of like the roller coaster scary movie fucking metaphor that uh-huh, uh, uh-huh. her therapist, you know, kind of alluded to, right. but you know, but yeah, the, it's true. You know, she she wants that, and she um, she likes that excitement and that power. Once you get a taste, once you get a taste of this life, there's no turning back. I wish I could do the accent at all, but yeah, I can't. Close enough. Gabagool. Hey, speaking of Gabagool, um, in terms of our segment, Gabavafangul, where we go through and see uh, what kind of Italian American slang we can find. Um, all I actually found was um, at some point, uh, Artie asked Tony uh, with regards to Furio, does he know his ass from a shamoots? Uh, and I had to look up shamoots. And it turns out that's just, I think it's just mozzarella. Yeah, which is funny because they already have mozzarella. But yeah. they needed two slang terms. They needed another slang because yeah. they love the mozzarella. You know, like uh, Eskimos got uh, 27 words for snow. Yeah, uh, yeah. Italian-Americans have at least two words for mozzarella cheese. <laughs> that's right. Um, and uh, in terms of who's the real gangster? <laughs> Who uh, is the real gang? Is it uh, psychology? I think it's psychology and or feelings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Feelings are the real gangster. Feelings, the feelings are the real gangster. I think so. Um, and the only malapropism that I found for our malapropism corner was Furio's favorite show is the PD Blue. <laughs> <laughs> I watched the PD Blue, which he actually went on to act on. Get the fuck out of here! Yeah, Amazing. yeah. Furio, uh, forget his real name, but he was an he was an artist at the time. That the uh, the Sopranos started. Do you know he has a reg- semi-famous artist? But uh, you yeah. know he has a regular ass American accent. Yeah, what? that makes sense. Yeah, oh, he just sounds like a guy. He's like from. He's American. No, he was. Yeah. Uh, isn't he Italian? No, look it up. Federico Castelluccio. Okay, look at it. <laughs> Fed- oh yeah, Italian American. Well, well, he's born in Naples. Yeah. Moved to Patterson when he was three. All right. Yeah. The sure. dude just sounds like a guy. I, I saw him interviewed and I was yeah. like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Was... He looks like he had universal health care at some point in his life. He does. He does. He looks like he comes from a place that would at the very least afford him that much. Uh, I, I got the Sopranos cookbook back in the day and uh, they had a lot of quotes from uh, Furio and one of the quotes attributed to him. That he's talking all this shit on 
Americanized Italian food. And he's like, was there any American food that you do like? And he's like, pigs in a blanket. I love, uh, yeah. I love the pigs in a... Which is funny because that is true. Everybody loves pigs in a blanket. No matter what country you're from, yeah. from everybody loves pigs in a blanket. Everyone it's always a crowd pleaser. Who doesn't love a pig in a blanket? No, everybody likes I mean, it. you know, if it depends on the pig. If it's an actual pig, then, you know. Well, it depends on the blanket. It very rarely does it depend on the blanket. <laughs> if we're talking a beef kosher dog, sure. Some people, uh, you know, if it's uh, an actual pig, can't do it. Nah, like, well, okay. Well, they can't eat it, sure. But it doesn't mean they don't. They, they don't like it. They don't like the concept. They think it con- tastes good. They like the concept. Like a pig in an actual blanket sounds really adorable. It yeah. does. Yeah. It does. Like, just a little wrapped up piggy. <laughs> oh, look, it's yeah. a pig in a blanket. Mm-hmm. I was thinking if you owned a pig. I had a pig once. You had a pig? What? Yeah. We had a pig. Did we, you eat it? No, we didn't. We, we killed it. Not, not on purpose, but. Oh Why? How did you? How did it die? We had a miniature potbelly pig in in college when we were very irresponsible. Oh, see, that's the worst time to have a potbelly pig. Oh. Yeah, it was good. It was well, actually, I mean, it wasn't good because it's an asshole. Pigs are assholes. Yeah, they're, they're not. They're always friends. like, oh, they're so smart. Yeah, but they don't crave your attention like dogs do. They're just like, hey, fuck you, leave me alone. Yeah, Give get some food. the fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, no, it just randomly died. We don't really know why, but uh, <laughs> it died. Maybe it was like it's the last game of pong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, had, we had it for about a month and it died damn you all couldn't right. keep a pig alive for a month nope um all right well all in all i would say uh you know this was uh we're now Sol- solid b plus solid well solid b plus no we've 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 gotten into it now i yeah. think we are now uh at the point in sopranos yeah. where we are seeing and we squeeze the twink the cream out of that twinkie Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We definitely squeeze suck, all the, suck the cream. We Sorry. suck the well, are there, cream. Are there two Twinkies or one? Oh, there's a lot of Twinkies, oh. and we're sucking the cream right out. <laughs> um, yeah, no. I mean, uh, I would say we're at the point in the Sopranos series where we are now dealing with like it's kind of. I know I've said this a lot, but I, now it's kind of smooth sailing. There's going to be the occasional bad episodes where they, you know, figuring stuff out. But like it's it's now we're into Sopranos Golden Age. We're into Sopranos Golden Age. It's like the show has figured out um, its formula and how to hide it sufficiently. It's figured out. Uh, it started to trust the audience. It's not like mm-hmm. having to hold your hand through uh, some of the minutia of the deals that they're doing. You know. Um, and it's not treating the actual business of the mafia as anything other than like uh, human interest or personal and right. whatnot, uh, which is really more interesting than them trying to explain what their HUD grift is, you know, or mm. like any of the other grifts they get into, unless they're really silly, like credit card scams and shit. Um, so, yeah, I would say, uh, you know, very exciting time for us at this podcast because we're going to get into more and more episodes that are just fabulous. Can't Which wait. Is a great time to announce that I think I'm going to start a podcast where I go over your podcast about <laughs> the show. <laughs> That's a great needs, idea. We need that to exist. That yeah, needs to happen. The, as the chief podsigliere. Yes. Uh, one of, among the chiefs. You are. You are as you are as the person who has invented the name of the fans, Podsiglieris. Um I, I and I think that works the best, by the way, even though like every mob family, I think the boss has like one consigliere, right? Mm-hmm. Um Consiglieri. Consiglieri. Uh but uh yeah, Pod uh Podsiglieris, everyone who listens to this podcast, you are a Podsiglieri. 
Um, and you can thank <laughs> Raphael Shumanov for, for that wonderful, wonderful name. Uh, Raphael, where can, where can people find you on, on the internet? Uh, mostly Twitter, uh, R-A-F-A-E-L-S-H-I-M-U-N-O-V. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's pretty much it. Yeah. And, uh, you are going to be, uh, in Las Vegas, uh, with the Sanders campaign, trying to, trying to help, uh, elect, uh, an actual president who gives a shit about working people. Is that right? <laughs> Absolutely. We just wrapped up victory in New Hampshire. And Hell yeah. Nice. Well, we're, we're all very excited about that. Uh, and, uh, Vince, what is the Google voice number? Four one five two seven five zero zero three zero. Please uh, message your questions, comments, and concerns to our Pod Yourself a Gun email address, which is fraudcast at gmail Because why start another Gmail account for another podcast when we can you can use our old one? No, yeah, and you can also donate to our uh, other Patreon, yeah. patreon.com slash fraudcast. We don't have any advertisers for this yet. No so advertisers. If you want us to. You want to drop us a bone? Let's get hey, a beak wet. A yeah, little bit. we want to get a beak wet. Uh, yeah. So, anyways, uh, thanks so much for listening, and until next time, don't stop believing. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week. You can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.